0: Hey, welcome to the Gentle Rebel podcast. I'm Andy Mort, a sound artist, songwriter and slow coach. And I love exploring life's harsher edges with a spirit of playful creativity. Back in 2012, I was presenting a podcast called Lost on Radio, which was part of the music blog Right Chord Music. So every week I was uh, kind of sharing a bunch of independent artists that were flying under the radar of mainstream music culture uh, and one of the artists of the week that we had on was a guy called Aaron Espy. It was the first time I'd come across Aaron um, and his, uh, I think his single was Hanging by a Thread that we were featuring and uh, that was on a an EP called Through Frozen Forests um, and the, the track Through Frozen Forests had been placed on a Christmas commercial for a supermarket. I think um, that that winter. I can't remember exactly the the timescale of it, but um, I remember listening to that. And there was really something about that track that um, just, yeah, caught me, captured me. Um, I think it landed in my ears at just the right moment and in just the right way. And yeah, I think it was around the end of 2023 um, when uh, Aaron appeared on a social media feed with a post about a book Called uh, On Songwriting Practical Tips and Insights from a Decade in Music City. Uh, And it was his book. (laughs) And I was intrigued because, uh, you know, I've been following Aaron ever since um, sort of first coming across him back in 2012. So, you know, 11, 12 years. Um, And I've I've really kind of admired his approach to building a career in music, uh, kind of on his own terms. It's been really interesting to. Uh, to just, yeah, keep keep in touch with what he's been up to and the way that he's been approaching things. As far as books about songwriting go, um, this was actually a, a slightly new endeavour for me, uh, which is strange because, you know, even as a songwriter, I've never really spent much time uh, really kind of delving into or reading um, theory or reading books about Songcraft itself. You know, my biggest teachers have been the bands and artists that I've listened to and studied over the years um, through attempts of kind of emulation uh, early on. I, I learned about song structure, how to write melodies, chord progressions, and, and I've, you know, kind of, I guess, learnt from trial and error through that over the years. Also, from playing with other musicians, working with uh, a variety of producers and engineers. Um, And just many, many thousands of hours uh, experimenting, writing, uh, recording, producing, banging my head against the wall uh, and experiencing the delight of flow and breakthroughs amidst all of that as well. Um, And also learning from feedback, you know, noticing what it is that people connect with, reflecting on the essence of those things. Uh, Not so I can repeat the the product that came out of a creative process because, you know, that's impossible uh, but rather so I can, uh, I guess, invite the creative spirit that gave rise to uh, particular ideas uh, with the hope um, to capture something new in, in a kind of similar way or, or down a similar avenue. And so I'm kind of, I guess, at a stage right now where I'm feeling kind of drawn to explore, to share my own insights into songwriting, um, to really have conversations about songwriting with other people. I really want to collaborate, uh, to coach to play with, um, you know, music beyond the way that I uh, have traditionally used it, I suppose, as a form of um, creative and artistic expression, you know, not to stop doing that stuff, but to, I guess, expand certain horizons uh, and open myself up a bit um, over the coming um, months, really. Uh, You know, songwriting has always been such an intuitive process for me uh, that I have, um, you know, I've, I guess traditionally found it challenging to articulate like what goes on within that process. Um, it's very mysterious in many ways. Um, and it's a, it's also a craft that I, I find very humbling. You know, you think you know something and then you have an experience that reminds you that no, you really don't uh, like, or at least that there is always something surprising waiting uh, to, to, I guess like turn the, like your certainties and expectations, turn them 180 degrees, uh, and say, you know, what you thought was the the way of like the the truth about this is, yeah, it might be that, but it's also this. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of excited to, to have more conversations like uh, this conversation that I'm sharing in in today's episode um, around songwriting around and and kind of applying that to creativity more generally, um, you know, bringing it into how i see uh, creativity as as really running through our lives whether we're thinking about like a, a a proper craft an art an artistic expression or we're just thinking about you know a bringing a creative spirit to the everyday um and yeah i've I've begun working with with songwriters who uh who want to maybe pivot a little bit um or expand what they're doing uh, also those who haven't ever written a song but want to explore writing um, and so Aaron's book has really reinforced my passion for this and sort of given me some uh, practical footholds into um, uh, I guess yeah sort of su- supporting thinking about you know like what this looks like in uh, in in practice so as soon as I started reading it I, I I was like I'm I'm gonna just shoot Aaron an email to see if we'll be up for chatting about some of the ideas in it and uh, you know I'd love to learn more about what what has gone on um, beneath the surface of his story and and all of that kind of thing so uh, yeah the book itself's got really simple kind of reference feel to it I, I think it's going to be a, a great reference book for you know getting unblocked quickly during a creativity session or for you know just starting the day on a creative footing on that with a with a sense of you know creative possibility uh, i think it's it's got a, a real accessibility to it it's relatable uh, very easy to read short chapters just like little nuggets of of great stuff so uh, I would say it's ideal if you if you want to return to the simplicity of a creative process and uh, get back to the to the real beating heart of it all Um, I spoke with Aaron while I was uh, in Lapland in northern Finland in January um, and I'd actually been on a walk through the frozen forests a a day or two earlier and I, I took the EP with me in my ears which was just it was a delightful experience and if you're watching the video version of this then you'll see some of the scenes that uh, accompanied um, me uh, accompanied the soundtrack um, as yeah I kind of weave them into uh, around the, the conversation and, and also the, all the music you're going to hear uh, in this episode is, is Aaron's music as well he's given me permission to use it so uh, I hope you enjoy that and i hope you enjoy the conversation as well
1: i'm sure it's like a lot of a lot of songwriters and musicians start where a, you know a family member has a guitar and for me it was my grandpa omer and he, we went my dad and i drove over to his house one day so i asked my dad do you think grandpa would teach me some chords on his guitar and he said oh i, I bet he would so we drove over and my grandpa sketched out um g c d and e minor i think Mm -hmm. um and then he showed me you know how how where to put my hands what and then he uh gave me his guitar put it in the case and lent it to me for probably a year until i bought my own but um it's I didn't have anything else to do besides play guitar and i um I started to really i I was only allowed to listen to christian music growing up and christian music for the for the longest time was like sandy Patty and Amy Grant and michael w smith but then in the late in the mid nineties um they had kind of like a surge with jars of clay um I don't know if some of these bands you know or have heard of, but it 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 meant the there's all of a sudden this wave of music that was really pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't 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 just Sandy Patty. <clears throat> and my parents were youth leaders, so they would get in the mail these boxes of 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 CDs um with little like like um, bible studies around the music and i would just take the cd's and and then um go down to the basement with my guitar and try to learn the songs and um so that's that's how it started and and i, I mean lots of alone time no friends <laughs> and and uh and just spending time learning and 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 singing the other thing that happened which was significant for me and maybe um uk culture can resonate with this but we didn't talk a lot growing up like nobody you you don't really compliment each other on pretty much mm-hmm. anything you just like so nobody told me one i wasn't really playing my guitar for anybody i was just playing it in the basement by myself and um Two, if I ever did, it's not like anybody mentioned anything. But one time, my dad, uh, I heard him coming down the steps, and I heard somebody coming down the steps, and it was actually my dad. And he peeked his head head in, and he said, um, "You know, what are you working on there?" And I had, I was, uh, had a book of. Um, guitar tabs and I was trying to learn uh, like John Denver's Country Roads to Take Me Home. Uh and and he said, Oh, you he asked me like will you play some for me? And and uh <laughs> that was like my first audience. And afterwards he he um he said Aaron, you you have a nice voice. I that's about it. Um, Mm. and then he, uh, and then he probably said, you know, like, it's also time for dinner or something else. But that, that was like, um, that kept me going for a long time. Just that one compliment from my dad. And I think I was at a point in life where I was just thirsty for some sort of attaboy, you know.
0: So one of the things I'm really interested in is people who identify something that matters to them and figure out how to explore the possibilities of approaching it in maybe slightly unorthodox ways that that work for them. Um, And Aaron is one of those people, you know, doesn't have a a huge social media presence like he's never really sort of been everywhere when it comes to that sort of stuff. he realised early on that he didn't want to tour, that, that playing out live a lot was not great for him. Um, and yet he's got like a million people listening to his music on Spotify each month. So he's he's figured out ways to carve a career that works uh, with him and for him um, and that he can, uh, you know, work with like in, through, through his own sort of uh, needs and desires. Uh, you know, I speak to so many people who believe that to succeed in the fields that they're passionate about, they need to do what everybody else appears to be doing or they need to do it in a certain way. And and that you might end up kind of feeling that sense of burnout, that that sense of overwhelm, because it's like, I, I just cannot sustain this. I cannot do this myself. So uh, I really like finding people who just show these slightly gently rebellious, unorthodox ways of approaching things in in ways that work for them so that we can kind of use that in our own lives. You know, one of my favourite things to do as a coach is to explore uh, the plethora of alternative options um, and to to just open ourselves up to, like, how how can we make things work that actually feel good and sustainable to us? And often there are a lot more options available than first appear. Uh, And so just bringing that sense of, like, uh, allowing more possibilities to occur, uh, through sort of really uh, creative brainstorming and, and thinking. Um, yeah, it was one of my favorite things to do anyway, back to the, the interview. Um,
1: kind of midway through, I, I realized something about myself. One, I didn't, I didn't know I was having panic attacks, um, because I didn't, I didn't have language for it and I didn't, mental health wasn't as, uh, talked about then, but I, um, I was having panic attacks and they were really, uh, they kept increasing to where every, you know, whenever I'd play, I'd be, you know, talking myself off a cliff, you in, in the bathroom, um, splashing water in my face. And so that, um, thankfully Heidi, my wife, we had just been, um, we'd been mar- married for like a year, um, and she, she was the first person who was like, uh, you know, this is, you need to get some help for this. Let's figure out what what's going on. And and so I just kind of took a break and realized one, I didn't like traveling as much as I thought I did. I and and if you're a touring <laughs> artist, you kind of have to enjoy big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big 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 part of it. Uh, um, and then two I just um, I realized I didn't like performing as much as I liked just making music and I didn't know if there was a way to do that but I just knew um, I couldn't do the touring thing anymore so for a while I was I was this. I was in uh, Colorado still, and I thought, you know what? The only way for me to stay in the music business is probably to like tune pianos. So I got a job. I asked. Um, I knew a guy who who had a piano studio and repair, and he tuned pianos. And I asked him if his name is Hank. Um, and I asked Hank if he would teach me how to tune pianos, and he graciously did. He um he like really just kind of took me under his wing uh for a summer and taught me how to tune taught me minor repairs and so i did that for a while i started tuning pianos it was 2011 and the fray were recording here in nashville um at blackbird studios and i was still in colorado but my friend ben the drummer said you know what you should you should um well, one, I told them I don't know what I'm doing with music anymore because I don't, I don't want to tour. I don't, and they said, "One, let, let's have a breakfast with our manager," and then, um, so we met with um, Kevin. His name is Kevin Spellman, and he he said, "Have you ever thought about moving to Nashville?" And I hadn't, so um, while the fray we're recording Ben said why don't you you and Heidi come and stay with with me at our hotel so that's what um that's what Heidi and I did we we went to Nashville I had a couple people I knew here set up some meetings there's one friend who I've been close with since 2006 from like my space days um his name was Busby is Michael Busby and um He's since passed away, but he was starting to make a name for himself in Nashville just with the co-writing. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll set you up with a few meetings. The fray set me up with some meetings. <laughs> and I just went to these meetings in Nashville and and had no idea what I was saying or what I was supposed to be doing. I thought that they would just be really interested in my songs. Um, I, I, I kind of understood that. They're just doing favors for their (laughs) clients, which is fine. Heidi and I talked afterwards and we're like, you know what? Nothing's going on in Colorado. She had just finished graduate school. Um, We were both working. She was working at Whole Foods grocery store chain here in the States. I was working at Starbucks, um, just like, hey, and tuning pianos as well. And we're like, let's just pick up and move. So we actually, we visited in May. No, we visited in April or May, and we moved the next month. That's how we ended up here, and and I kind of realized like, okay, this is if if I were going to be a professional surfer, I would move to you know California or Hawaii, and if I'm going to try and make a go at professional songwriting, then this is where I need to be. And so I just started learning and co-writing with everybody I could co-write with. Um, and really speaking of through frozen forests, that was my first um, real successful song. Um, I don't know. Do you remember where you heard it or how you heard it?
0: I, I was trying to remember. Um, it was, I, I think it was when I, I was presenting a, uh, like a, a podcast back in, it would have been around, was it around 2012? That sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was doing a I was part of a podcast called lost on radio, which was kind of taking, lesser known artists and promoting mm-hmm. them essentially. And and I think, I think it, uh, through frozen forest came a, across my desk, so to speak then. Yep. Um, and I remember hearing it for the first time. I was like, yes, this is, there's <laughs> <j-."> and <laughs> I was saying before, like I'm currently in Lapland and I, mm-hmm. it's like just beautiful trees and, snowy mm-hmm. landscapes everywhere. And I was out for a, for a walk the other day and I was like, I, I know what I'm taking with me. I know what I'm putting <laughs> in my ears. And so I put that EP on mm-hmm. and it was, it just, it matched perfectly. And I've always thought, you know, there's a, I don't, and I don't know whether it's a an intentional thing that you are able to manipulate d- uh, deliberately or whether it's just part of the the sound that came f- from that song itself, but it it has a really wintry, vibe to it beyond the lyrics like the music the production everything mm-hmm. just fits like it all sits so perfectly together so yeah I've, thank you that's always been the yeah i've always had a real soft spot for that track um
1: yeah, yeah. thanks um my uk audience um grew from that song because i think it um well sainsbury's which is not a grocery chain here but it is and you know it's i think a pretty big chain I, it yeah, sounds huge, yeah. to me. I've never been to one and I don't it sounds um because it's not just at a grocery store right it's like it got um like you can buy sweatshirts or yeah it's everything it's a
0: big yeah, okay.
1: um, yeah. but they they licensed that song in 2012 for a um Christmas campaign they're doing and that's ah, yes, and they um that was that was my first introduction to um licensing and mm-hmm. um uh but it was it was you know i didn't have it wasn't me something you learn quickly here in Nashville or l a if that's where you're based is that a lot of times. Things are cart before horse, meaning I used I used to think a band records some music that they have they have been riding their entire lives, <clears throat> and then um, serendipitously it ends up on a TV show, and I, I thought it was se- sequential, like, and I think some once in a while it is, but um, here it's 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 more like you the opportunities are presented and then you have a bunch of people trying to write for those opportunities and um and that's where publishing deals and record deals start to um well at least in my experience that's that's where it's more more like uh <laughs> uh for lack of a better it's like insider trading or something it's hard to get those opportunities unless you have built your own brand up to the point where you can people want your sound or you're kind of going more sneak attack <laughs> where you you have a deal you're just writing lots and lots of stuff and you, something ends up sticking and um that's how it was for that song um, through frozen forests, I it was easy. It was an easy song for me to write, but it was something that um, was more based on a prompt than it was yeah. like it wasn't. I was sitting around one day just thinking about forests and winter. It was, it was probably even uh, in the summertime. I don't even know. I can't remember, but I remember that uh, I grew up. In northern Minnesota, uh, that that scene winter is no stranger to me. Um, and back to what you said about whether or not I control how the feeling, you know, to some extent, you're yet yeah, I I don't. It's just sort of a vibe I naturally have, and I didn't know that I had it until people kind of help label it for you, mm-hmm. but. Part of it's my voice, um but then instrumentation too. It's it can um you know, there's choices being made that that are more appropriate than other, you know, acoustic guitars and uh mandolins and and uh just like um more soaring vocals than than choppy vo stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um
0: so of twinkly, twinkly top end ice yeah. vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. The uh, EQing was yeah
0: more uh, working
1: with high end. The yeah, we we don't have to get in the weeds of EQ, but um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I I mean that was two thousand so that was two thousand twelve my my first you know if we're gonna go full circle to today um my niche here became. More licensing for film and television, um, but I was also writing for and with other artists. Um, that's just something it, you kind of you kind of have a few different irons in the fire, mm-hmm. I, and I guess that's like any musician trying to make a living. Um, and I I feel like I I'm just tending to the one that's um, hottest at the moment, and then and then and then going to the next one sometimes it's my own artistry sometimes it's um writing for other people sometimes it's uh i haven't had to tune pianos in a while but you know it could it could range to that when i wrote the book when i started writing it been it was 2021 and it'd been around 10 years and and so uh it just been a lot of years of just survival like trying to you know figure it out the the, as we're all aware there's no um the hard thing about music and and part of the beauty of it is that you can't reverse engineer any success you've had Mm -hmm. so you have to not that not that i haven't tried (laughs) not that i not that i have tried to rewrite through frozen forests or um this song of mine called making all things new mm-hmm. um you know there's been times when i'm like man that worked why why can't it work again <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm just <laughs> but you know it's it's not like that so you just have to keep um keep trying and follow your curiosity and and but the book um but the book and then to now was really like part of it was the start of the pandemic and and co-writing slowing because uh, I don't know if you can see here but um we're in a shed I'm in a shed in my backyard and most of my life in Nashville has been people coming here and writing songs with me and then in 2020 that that stopped mm. so um I I the book um was a was a product of me being alone um and just kind of working on stuff that I that I felt curious and passionate about and didn't know it was gonna be a book, um, but ended up ended up being that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I, I mean, a couple of threads there that, what I'm hearing is like an adaptability that you have um, and like that, you know, when you realized, okay, I don't actually wanna to tour, I don't enjoy traveling, I don't like, but I still mm-hmm. wanna be a musician. I want to be involved in the music industry somehow and sort of stopping to think, okay, what's that going to look like? And then making that kind of work on your own terms, however long that took to, to kind of get into that position. And then, yeah, the the way you're describing that process with the book, it was a, okay, the, the co-writing slowed right down. Nobody, nobody's allowed here at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creativity, that, you know, curiosity still wants to, to find a way to express itself. And actually, oh, this is an opportunity to, to kind of reflect on this last 10 years and, and write some of the thoughts and some of the things that have, yeah, you've been kind of picking up along the way. And, and what I really love about the way that, that you've um, kind of laid the book out and approached it is they're all, as, what is there? Three, uh, five, main sections Mm -hmm. and then mini chapters that are just really nice bite size kind of reference things that like I know I'm gonna um just pick up and flick to like you don't have to read it in a chronological order you can just okay that's going to really help me that chapter and and it takes what five minutes to read a chapter if that so yeah Yeah. yeah, it's really lovely how that yeah
1: thank you yeah I, I I've never um Adaptability is a good way of looking at it, and that, I, um I think you're right that um, creativity will find its way out somehow in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, and my wife can tell this story probably better. But when I decided to quit music after I was touring and I was, um, I just started seeing a therapist, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. I'm not going to do shows. Um, I started <laughs> I started uh, making greeting cards, which sounds oh, really wow. rad. But <laughs> that's where it went. My point is yeah. I started, like, I would spend hours in Hobby Lobby. I don't know if you have Hobby Lobbies in the UK, but it's like an arts and crafts store. Mm-hmm and I I'd, I'd started making these rubber stamp designs for greeting cards it, it seemed random and and but um i mean looking back to your point about adaptability i think yeah it, it um when i knew i wanted to stay in the music industry i don't think it mattered well i, I knew i knew creativity was huge for me um, and some things are More utilitarian Than others Like pian- tuning pianos Is not really a creative process It's just a useful process or, Probably quite uh, annoying If service. somebody
0: tunes a piano yeah, creatively <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's an amazing point Yeah a Creative piano tuner uh, that, that C is actually Is actually a D sharp Um <laughs> um that'd be amazing uh but i think i think c- until you figure out um what year you like until your creativity is kind of useful to other people you i've found that you kind of have to use whatever your piano tuning equivalent is to mm get in the door, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, art should be useful by nature. You should just be able to experience it. But because there's so much of it out there and people have a choice, it it's sometimes hard to find your way into getting people to listen. And um, And even, like, I think even publishing deals to start are... Are a little bit like politics, um, it's not just like, "Oh, we think you write great songs mm. it's we like what you do, but we also like that you're writing with these other people, and you're connected to these other people and you're mm. you're kind of coming into um, this sort of how how can we all help each other scratch each other's backs sort of thing and it's not It's not something I love. And, uh, and and it's and it's an ongoing struggle for me but it is um something i've had to accept since i decided to raise my hand and say yes i want to be in the music industry and it's pretty it's pretty self-explanatory industry music business that that it it's going to be a part of it um yeah. there's going to be money involved there's going to be deals involved there's going to be People taking advantage of each other, but um, there's also good people and trying to do good work, and 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 that makes all the difference. Warning signs show me the way. I go straight towards them all. Why am I always running? I really
0: like how you how you talk about the two ways of writing a song so you've got the g p s method um and the painting method um yeah what are they and do you sort of gravitate towards one or the other
1: uh yeah good question um so the g p s method is just like reverse engineering, it's more like problem solving, so um, it's based around a hook and a hook can be anything from a line in your notes app that you overheard somebody saying it could be a guitar riff it could be um, any number of things but you know that that's I call it the GPS method because you have an ad- an address like a destination um but you just don't know how to get there so when when you when you're writing a song using um this method you're you you know where you're ending up but it's like if um somebody sent you a text um you have to figure out the rest of it so you, you um it's a completely different headspace because uh, you're it's, it's more analytical and, and it's easy to get um, heavy handed with craft and try to be too clever, but it's, it's, it's a lot of how country songs are written. Um, Actually, I'd say most country songs are written using this method where you have a title or you have a, a lyric and it and it really even the title it could be the title of the song too oftentimes it is um so just think um yeah for your listeners uh, g p s reverse engineering you know where you're going, you just don't know how to get there um, uh i guess i could let me um an example I give in the book is uh I had this line in my notes app called Things I've Never Seen.
0: Hmm.
1: And it just, you know, when I wrote it down, I can't even remember the context, but it just jumped out at me. And then I didn't know if it was going to be a serious song or um, about places I've, I hadn't been to or, or what. And then I ended up um, making it a silly, like, children's song Um, so if my address is things I've never seen, um, how I set it up was a cow running in the pasture, the mailman in regular clothes, a secret getting past my mother, my father touching his toes. They're more alike than different. At least they are to me. These are just a few things I've never seen. So it's, it's all, that's an example of you know where you're going, but you you kind of reverse engineer to figuring out how to get there, which mm. is far different. It's just that sort from, of hook—the yeah. hook, the hook that is, you've noticed—and
0: it's like uh, there, there's something I want to, yeah, yes. play with there and get to. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, painting is more of an emotional process. More of a, uh, um, you don't necessarily have a hook. You just have a feeling. Um, it's, I call it painting because, um, you know, I, when I think of an abstract painter, I think of them, you know, doing a brush stroke here, brush stroke there. They don't really know what they're making until it's, they're sort of halfway through and then they see it. And that's, I think, growing up, that's how I wrote songs. Just, you know feeling something being inspired and sitting down with your guitar and having a few lines here and there, but not knowing where you're going. Um, and, then, and then suddenly you have a song and it's only after you reflect on it that you know what it's about. And then it <laughs> very, very different than um, reverse engineering where you, where you have a clear idea of where you're going. It, painting is more like it's more about the experience of writing it's it's more enjoyable to me um because it's a dis, it's it's a process of discovery um but it oftentimes um it oftentimes is not it's hard to be commercial and paint at the same time yeah. um, uh, so you kind of it's kind of in service to the the writer almost it's like a a bit of a journey uh but harder to harder to give to your publisher and say hey can you do something with this um they're like no uh we can't do anything about a <laughs> song about <laughs> whatever whatever it is Ugh. so um but those those in general general are the two you know i'm sure there's plenty other ways but i've found those are the two most common methods um and i i like back to your question about what i gravitate gravitate toward um it's definitely the painting method i'm more comfortable with but i uh i do have fun every now and again just having a line and almost um just kind of making up it's easier to make up lyrics and then put music to it using the GPS method. Mm. Um, sometimes that's fun.
0: Part of what I'm exploring at the moment is really wanting to play a bit more with the like that GPS method, really, and mm-hmm. challenge myself to both write in that style and also co-write a bit with others and and write mm. for other people to sing. Because yeah, one of the things in the book that struck me was when you talked about. It's like the difference between a a, a good song, in terms of songcraft, and a song that maybe kind of really works, but it's art. And I was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. So it requires the the songwriter songwriter as the artist to perform mm-hmm. the song, and it's the the emotion, it's the feeling that's put into it in that way that really connects with the listener. And yes. it might not, if somebody else was to perform the song, it might be like. What is this? <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Um, yeah. Uh I don't know if you've read any Ralph Murphy. He passed away. He used to be uh like president of ASCAP, I think. But he's also a hit songwriter and he would he would write um little blogs about stuff, but he uh, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said when somebody comes up to you after a after one of your performances and say, "Hey, I really really like your song tonight what they mean is that one they had a good time tonight the food was good the atmosphere <laughs> there's all, all these lists of what happened they think you have a nice voice They and then somewhere down the line um, them the fact that you have a good song it may or may not be true but it's it's really you know and he was trying to get at the the craft of a song you know what is that but um i think you know for the most most part people don't care they're just hearing music Mm. and they like it or they don't like it um it's a good song if they like it and they like your voice it's a bad song if you know that's probably why bob dylan gets so much flack for it's because most people don't a lot of people don't like his singing voice. I I like his singing voice, but, um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think that that was something I didn't have any clue of until coming to Nashville. I just thought, you know, a song is a song. Um, I didn't really dis distinguish between art and song craft.
0: Mm. Yeah, as a both self-taught through listening to music and also through, um, you know, being in bands, working, mm-hmm. having conversations with other songwriters, that kind of thing is kind of, that's, that's where the the learning has happened for me. Um, but seeing, yeah, seeing these kind of thoughts articulated, um, and those, these ideas articulated in the way that they are in the book is like, okay, that's really either putting into words, something I've kind of known, but not mm-hmm. known that I've known, um, mm-hmm. Or just like giving a little, oh yeah, flicking on the the light bulb of that's true, and that was a, that was a very much a, a light bulb thing um, for me. Cool. Yeah,
1: Thanks. yeah, yeah. I think um, that's part part of the. Uh, that's been a comment from some songwriter friends too. Is is like uh, saying what we know intuitively, but just kind of giving a little bit of language to it to um, hopefully be helpful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And without squeezing the life out of it. That's yeah, what I exactly really appreciate saying, yeah. that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 it's easy to it, overanalyze,
1: it, isn't it? Right, yeah. it certainly is. And back to GPS and painting, there, I think I, yeah, I do say this in the book that sometimes they overlap. Sometimes mm. you think you're starting one way, you end up doing another way regardless of however the song is formed it's still incredibly mysterious like (laughs) back to not being able to reverse engineer i couldn't reverse engineer any song i've written like even if i just wanted to to make it again there's too many random things that happen in the process that it's like trying to reinvent your last game of uh, pinball you know it's it's you, you can't really do it
0: yeah exactly yeah, and it's something I've noticed over the years listening to, like, following bands or following artists, and you know, have the debut album, and then the second album, like, is often an attempt to replicate some, like, the really the aesthetics a lot of the time mm-hmm. of that first album, and then the third album will be like a, okay, we can't do that, let's let's just do something new let's move in a different direction whether that's yeah. like a radically different direction or just a, you know the next stage of their exploration rather than going back round to the to the beginning uh, and trying to yeah reverse engineer again <laughs>
1: yeah exactly yeah and there's so much pressure after um after the first album to get if there's any success with the with the first one there's there's all this pressure put on um The songwriters, which is why so many of them come to Nashville um, to co-write, because they're feeling they're getting pressured from. I mean, maybe some of them really want to do that, um, but oftentimes it's their management or the label is like, "Hey, it's time to put out an album. Send them to Nashville." Another case in point of this is uh, American Idol and The Voice. So you all of a sudden have these people who win or even place second or third and they have an audience with no material so they end up coming to Nashville to get material um and it can be sometimes it can work sometimes it doesn't but uh right now the and it's not that those that isn't still happening it it, it is but right now it, um it's more TikTok so TikTok artists are writing? You got a kid writing a ninety-second song. Maybe it's finished. Maybe it isn't. But it gets all this traction, and record labels. It can be. Uh, hurry up and let's let's make make this person a a product that we can market. And I don't know what the next thing will be, but I I do. Um, it can be discouraging, but it 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 also is another. Phase of adapt or die. Um, mm-hmm. because I've, I've I've been doing this, uh, since my first record was 2005 when you could sell CDs at shows, and I just needed to sell CDs. And then it was like, Oh, will he download my MP3? Will he? Oh, you're only downloading three songs, not the entire album. Okay. And then, then to streaming. Um, so there's been enough changes to like figure out, like, how do I. Want to stay (laughs) stay in this? Uh, Do I want to be making TikTok videos? Mm, No. Well, what are my other options? And um, so, I'd be lying if I said I'm. I'm not trying to figure that out on an ongoing basis. Even
0: yeah, it changes so rapidly as well, doesn't it? In terms of like, you kind of put all of your energy into figuring out this TikTok trend. It'll be probably something else within six months and yeah you can sort of it's making smart decisions is is key in terms of like okay is this the thing that's current is that really the best use of my like resources and time and energy now Mm -hmm. or is there a way of kind of thinking okay what what's going to be down the line um is there anything with longevity that you're doing right now that actually, once we're through this moment, because there's there's elements of this which feel quite fleeting, um, mm-hmm. feel like unsustainable in terms of, well, actually a 90 second song, maybe that is all we're going to ever have for the rest of time. <laughs> I hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm an old fart who mm-hmm. just really pines after the days of albums because I, I think mm-hmm. there's something so beautiful about having an album with album tracks on, the the yeah. songs that that wouldn't exist if all we have is singles and the songs yeah. that really, for me, have been often the most meaningful by the artists that I love, that actually they're the slow burn tracks that take a few listens. They, you know, you at first you're like, oh, that sounds weird. There's elements of this that, you know, I can't quite get on board with. And then as you listen, you the, you just sort of unpeel all the layers. And you get they become your favorite songs on the album.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. and and, and th- like slow burn. Um, I feel like y- y- you know you're saying. I, I think um, artists making quality work that that their bands can appreciate, like like slow burn albums or. I think part of it's to like knowing your audience and knowing who you are as an artist and kind of taking them somewhere with you and yeah you know, maybe it can start from TikTok I don't know but it's yeah. but it's going to like it's going to go back to um it's always going to be back to like concrete principles of making great art. Mm. Being a good human being, unless your brand is to be an asshole, uh, <laughs> in, you, know, like, you know, like doing sustainable things that that aren't just uh, tactics, which yeah. e- easier said than done. But um, ta- the, yeah. you, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the album, too, like, um, you know, just just this the story form and being taken on a on a on a journey by the artist based on a you know 35 minutes or however long versus just hearing one song out of context mm-hmm. which has its place too but um i i also am an old fart so. <laughs>
0: Good. I'm oh, glad to glad to hear that. Yeah, there was one thing from the book that I really wanted to, uh, yeah, talk about, which was the story that you tell of um, going to the funeral of a colleague or f- mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. Um, who was a prolific, successful. So you don't name them, but like it's mm. yeah, like prolific, very successful songwriter, um, and how you were struck by the things that were said at that funeral um, and the fact that it was about them and it wasn't about all these accolades and stuff. And that was almost just a reflection of their character. And that really spoke to me. I spent six mm. years working as a uh, an undertaker, as a sort of mm. funeral, funeral mm. home. And mm. I was always really struck by that, like in the eulogies that I heard given, you know, Mm -hmm. hundreds thousands of them um it was always the the little things the little uh you know the kind of idiosyncrasies the the little points of love that people experienced of the person however successful they were however they maybe achieved all sorts of things they had letters after their name and all that sort of stuff but that was never what people talked about people who knew them people who loved them talked about and and so that story that you shared in the book really spoke to that and yeah i'd just love to hear more about why you included that and like what that means to you
1: well i think um you know like speaking of reverse engineering i think we all (laughs) it's no secret like we're all ended up we we don't know when but the moment we are born the only thing for certain is you know gonna die um if we're trying to um and i did this as a practice this was after his funeral i was reading a book um by donald miller and he had it it is a practice in writing your own eulogy so you kind of do it as a as a aspirational identity um so that you uh it sounds morbid at first and and it, but it's once you kind of get it down that it it becomes an amazing filter for how do you want to live your life and how you want what becomes great for decision making like certain things become clearly a, a no or or a yes um so uh but it was interesting with songwriting and that and music being such a big part of my life, and then remembering uh his funeral and with all of the success, it, it was it was just very striking that he could have been he could have been a plumber. You know, he could have been <laughs> like it didn't it didn't that stuff is very it doesn't matter and not to say that your work doesn't matter or that uh you shouldn't strive to to you know write a hit song or make make win an award for your art some i think that's fine it's just it's just when it comes down to it it's going to be the people that were put in your life you know how did you treat them and did you do your best to Pay it forward and help them out, or was was life more about you and your and your accolades? Because because at the end, it seems like even if you have those, it doesn't. You know, it's it's pretty meaningless. But I, I thought you know, I thought lessons from a hit songwriter's funeral would be a good way to end the book. Just almost for because I think I say um, well in the beginning I say you know I I wrote the book for six people and four of those are my sons and um so there's a bit of like me just trying to distill um some of this down for them um mm. it, 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 but it's also what i would say to anybody getting into the music industry is to kind of like you know the whole uh start with the end in mind thing so um yeah, I th- I think music, you know, it's a great industry to be in, but it's also, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's relational. It's it's uh doing good work and treating people with kindness and um trying to make the world a better place, you know. It it's the clichés that that we're all mm. we're all living for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great great way to end and yeah like that sort of starting with the end in mind as a like wh- how, what do I want people to be saying about me yeah. at my funeral that kind of thing mm-hmm. is yeah really powerful no, I, would, I, to
1: think. I would recommend um, um just as a practice um for anybody listening just to just to mm-hmm. do it um and not not to you know it's easy to easy to for me to be very self-deprecating and just being like, well, I, I worked hard and, but the more you get into like, uh, the details of it, um, the easier, like I, 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 uh, I always try to respond to people online or through email, anybody who reaches out because it's a part of how, in my eulogy I write that I try to always make time for people and help them on their journey if they reach out. It's not it's not like everybody is reaching out, but the few people who do, um, I can do that. But mm. I would I'd think I would wouldn't do that as much had I not been clear about like, yes, this is the value of mine and I I know because it it, it because uh just writing out your own eulogy can clarify a lot of that. Yeah. That's
0: really yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sort of affects how you do things, not necessarily what you do. So, as you said, you, like it might be important to you to get those accolades or get like go for that hit single or whatever. But it's how you do that that is informed mm-hmm. by that. What you, the way you're describing this process, and I really appreciate the fact that you responded to me when I reached out to you, and yeah, yeah the way you did that, and yeah. the fact that you've given your time. For this um absolutely yeah, really i love uh,
1: i love the premise of um just that gentle rebel thing yeah. it's very very
0: cool <laughs> yeah Thanks i appreciate for reaching that. out and- absolute pleasure yeah and just before we finish like anywhere you want to direct people um yeah um, what's going on for you next and-
1: probably start just go to my website com, and then there's a i, I do a weekly newsletter um but i'm also right now working on a um i kind of have a heart for um songwriters who are overwhelmed by uh parenting and their day jobs and so i'm creating a course right now for, for like just a framework i use every day to 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 write a little bit and get um a lot of songs written over a short amount of time daily um so i'm trying to it's in something my audience is like expressed as a pain point and i thought um i can do this so that's what i'm currently working on Uh, i think it'll probably be either a digital course or a workshop um but just teaching a, a framework so that you know the goal is to uh for parents busy professionals to keep their creativity thriving um and i know that's what that's like with with um four boys myself I bet you do yeah <laughs> so um that's what I'm working on
0: but yeah if people want to go just
1: aarinespey.com and and that'd be step one
0: mm-hmm. fantastic oh Aaron thanks yeah thank you so much man it's been so great really appreciate it
1: yeah uh, absolutely great to meet you thanks All Andy right.
0: cheers Aaron right, see, ya. see you soon Sunshine,
1: warm and golden morning, making all things new
0: So a big thank you to Aaron for taking the time to speak with me. Um, I cannot recommend his book um, on songwriting, practical tips and insights from a decade in Music City highly enough. Um, I'm going to be sharing my reflections on parts of it over on Patreon, where I'm also talking a lot more about uh, songwriting and the adventure that I'm on with my own music uh, right now. Uh, also as I mentioned before if, if you are a songwriter um, and are feeling stuck or you want to kind of pivot and expand your horizons in some way um, or you're not yet a songwriter but you would really love to explore uh, the possibilities of it give it a go in some way um, then I've got some coaching availability uh, specifically around that I really want to be kind of working with people around songwriting and around um, yeah developing music and, and that kind of thing so, I like, absolutely love helping people connect with um with music in meaningful ways and and part of that is creativity. It's it's connecting expressing yourself through um through music creatively. And so if that's the kind of thing um that that you are listening to that, you're thinking, Oh yeah, that would be worth checking out, then absolutely get in touch. Um, you know, maybe you never thought about writing songs as something that you could do. Um and maybe it is. Uh so yeah, if head over to patreon.com forward slash Andy Mort. Uh, sign up there for I'm uh, going to be sort of sharing resources, insights and explorations um, to help you on your uh, your creative journey. Um or if you just want to simply follow um follow mine, then that's the place to do that. Um or just drop me an email, uh, get in touch via social media um wherever you want to find me. Uh, please do that'd be great to hear from you Um, and to yeah hear hear what you thought was there anything in the conversation I had with Aaron that um, stood out to you Um, I think yeah it was great I I just really enjoyed his um, candid way of expressing himself and and sharing honestly like what uh, what the struggles have been for him through through that decade in Music City and yeah, some of the the joys and, and challenges of of a music career in that sense. It's just refreshing to hear um, somebody with yeah, just a lot of humility and um, hu- humility mixed with ambition. I think it's it's a great combination. Okay, uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, until next time, do remember that you are an artist. The world needs your art. Now go and make somebody's day. Bye bye.
1: I don't listen to a word I say Just remember my blood runs through your veins Oh my